Welcome to the Idea Week podcast, where investors and entrepreneurs share their wisdom and insights into investing, business, and life. The Idea Week podcast is brought to you by MOI Global, the membership community of intelligent investors. Members of MOI Global enjoy special access to Idea Week, the annual winter summit that brings together investors and entrepreneurs in one-of-a-kind St. Moritz, Switzerland. And now, here is your host, John Mihaljevic. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the conversation Anuj Didwania, fund manager of Red Art Capital, a fundamental value-oriented investment management firm based in Mumbai, India. Uh, Anuj has been a wonderful member of our community for quite some time, and uh, and we've had uh, the pleasure of learning from Anuj on several occasions. Uh, including in person uh, recently at uh, the Zurich project um, where Anuj talked about uh, running an investing business along with um, an actual operating business. And I found that uh, quite fascinating Um, going back to that Buffett quote uh, about being a better investor as a businessman and, and vice versa. And maybe Anuj, just by way of background, um, you can spend a few minutes on that and then we'll, we'll launch right into the topic uh, for this conversation, which is systems and outcomes in life and investing. So uh, I'll turn it over to you. Sure, John. Thank you for having me. Uh, always a pleasure interacting with you. Um, so just to sort of um, kick off, um, I'll share uh, the broad sort of thesis or thought process behind, uh, you know, the gains and the benefits of actually running a business along with uh, an operating business along with running a, a fund management business. And this sort of tend to be two sides of a coin, I guess one can look at is uh, in one case, you're looking at a business as a dispassionate third person uh, deciding whether you want to invest capital in the business, um, which is what most investment managers do. Um, and then the other perspective that comes when you actually run a real business to understand what are the risks associated with it? Uh, how do you actually, you know, what are the key metrics to focus on? Uh, how predictable is the future? Uh, and um, and those factors. So I think the benefit of having co-run uh, a mid-sized business in India for the last 10, 15 years has really helped me appreciate, um, you know, which factors to really focus on when you're looking at a business from the investment perspective. So I think broadly, most people tend to be too focused on short to medium term projections for where a business will go. I think when you run a real business, you realize that um, it's anyone's best guess what the next quarter or the next year will look like uh, just because you really can't know you know what sort of orders will come in when they'll come in what will fructify so you can have a broad spectrum of outcomes uh, you know, with some level of confidence but you really never know what's going to happen next quarter or next year for sure so i think when you look at a business when you when you look at it from an investor's perspective you appreciate um, that you don't want to put too much weight into the next six to twelve months specifically for any business and definitely don't expect the management to know with a, with a much greater sense of, of confidence than, than an average intelligent person that you know the future is very hard to predict. 
Um, and, you know, leading into that, obviously, you, you understand and appreciate also how important it is to understand working capital and cash flows when you are in a business in terms of, you know, how the business uses cash and generates cash. Um, so when you're running a business, you can really see the money coming in and out, uh, you know, in a real sense, rather than um, when you're an investment manager, you're just looking at a cash flow statement. It's not as real um, as as obviously with your hands in. So you, it, it, one one gets a better feel of the nuts and bolts um, of, of of a real business and, you know, what cash flow really is about and why is it so important when you analyze a business um, in terms of from the investment perspective. So, you know, those are, those are my quick thoughts on, you know, running a business along with uh, running an investment management firm. Great. And uh, you, you told me that you've been doing a lot of reading on the topic of systems, uh, linearity, determinism, complexity, as well as outcomes and uh, randomness in life and investing, and also how to emotionally deal with outcomes using uh, Stoicism and Buddhist teachings. So I'd love to uh, get into that uh, broad and fascinating subject. Uh, maybe you can start by telling us about some of the, the reading that you've been doing and that's uh, influenced you. Um, sure. So, I mean, trying to understand systems is, I guess, uh, as they say, trying to get a map for reality, trying to find a way to simplify reality into some models, um, you know, some simplified versions of reality that we can use to to appreciate, you know, how the world really works. And in one of the books that I've read, which is the one suggested by Manjas, you know, Deep Simplicity by John Gribben, uh, which is around chaos theory, uh, which I found very interesting. Um, and, you know, that led me to sort of just do basic reading around you know, how systems operate, how to look at different kinds of of um, of events in life and try to figure out what are the factors that affect them and what are the component factors. So um, all my sort of some, you know, my, my preliminary reading for the last two, three years around this has led me to to come up with what I consider the four main factors when I look at um, look at any system. Uh, I just want to caveat that by saying there are many other ways to classify a system or, you know, many more factors. But these are the ones that I consider, uh, the you know, the broad uh, classifications. Uh, so the first factor that I look at is, you know, is the system, is it complex or simple? Which basically means, you know, are there many moving parts or are there only a few? Uh, a simple system would be uh, something like a bicycle uh, and a complex system, which would have many moving parts and, you know, more interaction between those parts uh, would be something like a motorcycle. So that's the first factor is, you know, is it a simple system? Is it a complex system? Um, the second factor I look at is, you know, is it a linear system? Is it a nonlinear system? Which basically means, does every cause have a proportionate effect? Um, so if you look at just for an example, to understand a linear system uh, is uh, sort of like weighing scales. Um, to lift a two kg dumbbell, say five feet high, takes twice the energy to lift a one kg dumbbell the same height, sort of Newtonian physics. Um, and a nonlinear system would be um, something like the population of 100 rabbits reproducing after two years is not twice what it will be after one year. So that's a nonlinear system. Uh, coming to the third factor, which I look at is uh, adaptability. Uh, so an adaptive system or a non-adaptive system which basically means, is there a feedback loop or mechanism within the system? 
So a, a, a non-adaptive system would be something like a mechanical wristwatch, uh, which basically does not interact much with the outside environment uh, and continues on its own. Uh, while an adaptive system would probably be something like a thermostat uh, that responds to environmental changes and contains a feedback mechanism. So that's the third factor, uh, whether it's adaptive or non-adaptive, the system. Uh, and finally, what I look at, you know, the one that really catches most of us off guard is whether the system is deterministic or non-deterministic, which, which I have broadly tried to simplify to say does every cause have a specific effect? So a deterministic system, uh, as I see it would be, as an example, would be the amount of money in a bank account after one year, once the principal amount and say the interest known interest rate is known and fixed, which basically means that the output every time is the same given the same initial conditions. So that's a deterministic system. Um, and then coming to you know whether a system is non-deterministic, uh, which would be an example of say a restaurant, the profits of a restaurant over a one year period, uh, which is basically to say that in any one year period, you even if we have the same factors at play, the same number of people, the same location, the same food, um, your profits can be different from one year to the next. So which then you know would make it sort of a non-deterministic system. I'd like to sort of you know round that up by just saying uh, the broad way I have seen or you know if you if you look at real life, most systems in life uh, are actually ironically they're complex, they're non-linear, and they're adaptive. Um, so where that leads us is you know the human mind actually has has difficulty with non-linear outcomes. The mind is is geared towards linearity, which is one plus one is equals equals to two. Um, and then when you add the layer of adaptability or, or, or the, rather the factor of adaptability into a system, it, that adds a massive layer of complexity over and above the nonlinearity of a system. So that just sort of, you know, to, to round out says that, you know, there are too many factors at play in most of reality. Uh, and while the human mind, you know, is prone to want to simplify things to one or two factors, life is far more complicated. And I think that that echoes uh, Einstein's famous quote that make everything uh, as simple as possible, but no simpler, which basically means you cannot leave out things um, just because it makes it simpler if it does not actually reflect reality. Um, and, and you know, you have to you have to deal with with multiple factors, even if it makes life more complicated. Um, that is not to take away from the fact that, you know, a few factors actually contribute to most of the observed outcome in life i.e. Uh, one should focus on, on the few most important factors, something sort of linked with, one would say, say Pareto's principle, uh, the 80-20 rule, where 20% of factors contribute to 80% of the outcome. So, you know, when you're looking at investing in companies or looking at life, you can turn around and say that 20% of factors probably, you know, impact 80% of the outcome. But ironically, uh, as with life and in investing, it's the remaining 80% of factors uh, is what makes life so interesting and, and near impossible to predict. So, so you know, I, I've tried to create a, a broad model to try to understand what factors are in any given system, and then try to figure out whether, you know, the future is predictable or, or not, and, and, you know, how much pain should one take uh, emotionally uh, for, for being able to see what's going to come or not being able to see what's, what's coming. How, as an investor, can you apply this um, 
to the market or to your analysis of uh, investments or simply is it is it more of a framework for doing things or for avoiding things? I think it's more of a way to emotionally deal with reality. So I think once, at least the way I look at it, is once you get your head around the fact that it's not like the future is unknown, the future is actually unknowable. There's a big difference in the two. And I think once you accept that even if you know all the factors at play, uh, which is obviously not possible, but even if you did and you had a supercomputer and you could program it all, you have actually uh, elements that are non-deterministic within the system that you're trying to analyze, which is in, in our case, in the case of markets, are actually human beings. So when you have so many human beings, even under the same set of factors, the same human can react totally differently from one day to the next, which basically means that even if you spend a lot of time trying to figure out you know, as much as you can uh, about a company or, or an industry, uh, the number of, of, of interacting elements that are non-deterministic within that system are so large um, that you really can have you know, just a limited confidence in, in the outcome. So you know, where I look at investing or how that adds to my investing outlook is to appreciate that you can have a reasonable amount of confidence, which is what, what really what mean reversion is about, um, that things will, will turn out or should turn out a certain way. There's a high probability of that happening. But you know, it's just impossible to really expect to have a very high degree of confidence in any outcome, uh, especially in something like investing. And uh, earlier when you talked about the the three that you think occur most uh, frequently in life, complex, nonlinear, and adaptive, you didn't uh, go into deterministic or non-deterministic. Can you just uh, round it out with that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so broadly, you know, deterministic systems. So the big one that people see and they can appreciate the difference between a deterministic, so uh, the complex, nonlinear, adaptive are, are tend to be common. Um, but in, if you look at nature, so you've got weather, which is a deterministic system, which basically says that if you have, if you know all the inputs, the starting point, uh, you will have the exact same output. Uh, and we know that it's it's a chaotic system that is, you know, highly sensitive to initial conditions, um, which is what chaos theory is based upon. But you know, coming back, so weather tends to be a deterministic system. Um, and something like, say, the economy or an ant colony or even something simple like a traffic jam is a non-deterministic, complex, non-linear adaptive system. So, uh, you know, the reason I left determinism and non-determinism out is it really comes down to, I guess, in some way, and I may be oversimplifying here, um, that, you know, if there are elements within any system that have what I call is free choice or the ability to choose one thing from the other, uh, it tends to be obviously, you know, closer to being non-deterministic, while weather obviously has elements that are highly complex and and, and adaptive, uh, but there is no element of determine. You know, the, no one, no weather element has the has the ability to choose what it wants to do. Um, so I think, you know, this non-determinism and determinism uh, adds the final layer of absolute uh, complexity to to trying to understand outcomes relative to to the inputs that you put into a system. 
this notion of systems in some ways uh, seems to echo um, the lattice work of mental models. Um, what are the parallels and, and what are the differences um, there? Uh, sorry, if you could explain that, John. The parallels and differences between? Uh, well, this this idea of systems, so the four um, uh, kind of criteria you 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 mentioned, and then the Charlie Munger uh, kind of lattice work of mental models. Uh, mental models are obviously ways also of understanding uh, life or reality. Um, so can those mental models uh, are they simul uh, synonymous with systems or? Um, are systems something greater? Um, you know, just trying to understand kind of the difference between systems and mental models. I would say, I mean, mental models, they're probably, you know, they are tangential to one another is the way I would look at it. So um, you have mental models, which is the lattice work. You need to have... Um, many ways of looking at things. And that's what really the lattice work of mental models is, is that reality is, as much as we would like, reality is not simple. Um, you know, reality has a lot of things that, that interact that cause outcomes to be what they are. And I think what the lattice work talks about is if you have enough mental models, you can understand that, you know, more of the factors that are at play and more of the cause effect relationships. So, you know, when you when you mix four or five things together that have different cause effect relationships, if you only have a limited number of mental models, you may not understand some of the cause effect relationships within uh, whatever one is trying to analyze. So I think it's imperative uh, that one is, as they refer to, you know, one is a, a fox rather than a hedgehog, where one appreciates and understands multiple models from different spheres, which are all different ways of looking at different aspects of reality um, and, 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 you know, just trying to, 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 to put them and to say that, you know, there are systems and there is, a, you're trying to create what Ray Dalio refers to as a machine or try to, you know, figure out, you know, what is the machine that you're trying to study? What are the input factors and, you know, what is the outcomes possible? So I definitely think there's a huge overlap in, in, in having multiple mental models or a lattice work of, 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 of ideas. Uh, that allow you to understand you know, all the different factors when analyzing anything in reality, which, which I'm just referring to as a system of, of, of reality. You mentioned Ray Dalio with the machine. Is that something that you would uh, recommend uh, to fellow uh, members and investors um, as a way of understanding the economic reality? Um, so, I mean, his latest book, which I just finished a few days ago, is, you know, it talks more about actually life principles than it does um, economic principles. So, I mean, I would I would recommend everyone to go out and buy the book and read it just because um, I found the first part, the principles on life rather than his principles on work, um, to be just profoundly interesting from a philosophical point of view of how to see reality uh, and how to deal with reality by being what he refers to as a hyper-realist. Um, and, you know, I, I would I would definitely tell everyone, go out, read the book. It'll make you a smarter thinker, 
uh, whether it'll make you a better investor, you know, I guess uh, is harder to say, but it'll definitely make you a smarter thinker. Switching gears a little bit to uh, dealing with outcomes uh, in light of the randomness that's often there um, and kind of emotionally um, um, making sure that we are not swayed too much by the outcomes. Um, Talk to us about some of the methods you have used for uh, dealing with outcomes. Um, so I think the the one thing that clearly all of us who you know who actually put money down uh, into you know trying to actually test our ideas in reality to see whether we're really good investors you you can't have been in this game for too long uh, without facing the tremendous pain of having outcomes that don't match um, what you perceived they should be, uh, which is basically obviously things not working out uh, as per the investment bets that one takes. And I think all of us as investors need to find mechanisms, uh, mental mechanisms, emotional mechanisms for dealing with that. So I think first is to understand, like I said, you know, understanding reality better. And then secondly is um, looking at different schools of thought, uh, philosophical schools of thought. So Buddhism is, is something that I have veered towards and, and Stoicism is one that uh, I have also spent a lot of time on. Which basically, you know, Buddhism, the one that I've studied, something called the Lotus Sutra, talks about, you know, all of life is actually just cause and effect. Um, and while that is, again, like I said, a simplification, um, it doesn't explain how many causes lead to what effects. It helps to understand that if you can understand everything in life as a cause-effect relationship, you take out, um, you take out the ego, which is, you know, is it me that's right or wrong? Is it, you know, am I good or bad? And I think that's important that, you know, to, to take the human ego out of uh, an, analyzing a situation um, and understanding or trying to understand everything as cause and effect, um, that helped me a lot. And obviously stoicism goes back to uh, trying to understand that outcomes are not in our hands uh, and that one needs to be uh, equanimous with whatever the outcome is, which, which sort of comes back to appreciating that, uh, you know, you cannot know for sure what the outcome is because life is so complicated and because it has X number of variables, you know, interacting at any point. I think it's helped as an investor tremendously. Well, you know, once you're able to figure out, you know, what sort of system you're investing in or what are the factors that play in, 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 in the stock market, uh, you, you don't, you don't take it as personally um, and you understand that one needs to be, I wouldn't use indifferent is the word, but I would like to say one needs to be um, peaceful with whatever happens, uh, good or bad. And, you know, sometimes you can, you know, you can have the odds in your favor um, and, you know, you should, you know, nine out of 10 times you, you should have made money on an investment, uh, but, you know, sometimes life's not, doesn't work out and, um, or, or other things happen uh, that are in the 10% of, of probability, uh, and that's okay. So I think that's that's an important aspect for all of us as investment managers to to appreciate that um, even sometimes when you try your best and you've got almost everything lined up, all the ducks lined up in a row, um, it just takes one gust of wind out of place. Um, and if the outcome doesn't match, I think one has to just put that chin up and move forward and say, uh, you know, you did the right thing. 
which is you bet aggressively when the odds were in your favor. And if it didn't work out, um, you still did the right thing. That doesn't mean your bet was wrong. It just means probability moved against you um, and you need to basically stay alive for the next bet. Anush, are there any uh, routines or habits or anything that you apply in your daily life uh, that draws from uh, Buddhism or Stoicism? Um, so I have sort of uh, one is uh, I do a, a daily meditation every morning. So I make sure that as soon as I wake up, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes into getting up, I spend about 15 or 20 minutes doing uh, transcendental meditation, which is, you know, broadly just quietening the mind um, and trying to, to focus on the now. So that's something that I feel provides a certain level of stillness at the start of every day for me. And um, and obviously there's, you know, there's, I think what all of us do, we spend a reasonable amount of our day reflecting on, uh, you know, why things are happening or, you know, what are the causes behind uh, whatever effects we're seeing in reality. So I think, you know, daily reflection happens, but I do spend about anything from 15 to 30 minutes every morning uh, meditating, which, which I feel has helped me a lot. As we wrap it up, we like to ask uh, about any recommendations for reading um, or or how our members could educate themselves on these topics. Uh, you mentioned the book Deep Simplicity. Are there other books or resources that uh, you would highlight? Uh, God, most of my stuff is actually read a while back. Um, so, I mean, uh, just uh, off the record, I remember two books that I've read that are not linked around this topic, but I found extremely interesting, which people may want to read. One is very popular called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, the other one that I just read recently, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed also, was Sam Zell's book. Um, um, I can't remember the name, but he's a, he's a real estate investor in America. And it's, it's again, his biography. Um, but you know, book by Sam Zell just recently written. So you know, two books that I thought were were excellent in 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 actually helping understand. And you know, biographies again, as said by Manjar, is a great way to to study history and reality. Uh, just goes to show how difficult it is, even when you're successful, that your life can have as many ups and downs, and um, and that outcomes really match you know expectations. And you know, adaptability is really key to to success in life. So. Um, while at the top of my head, I'm really not getting, you know, books on Buddhism would be around uh, um, the man in the mirror, if I'm not mistaken, is is one of the books that I read that I really liked. Um, and uh, I mean, I've read the Bhagavad Gita, which is excellent to understand cause and effect uh, in its own way. Um, and like I said, you know, for systems, I found uh, John Gribbon's book to be interesting. Uh, another book called Systems, a Primer, was an interesting book that I read around systems. Um, so, yeah, at this point, I'm sort of drawing a bit of a blank, but um, these are names that come up uh, that I've really enjoyed. Sure, that's uh, that's very helpful. Well, I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation, and it's something that I think is an evolving uh, conversation and, and, and something one can really build on uh, throughout life. Uh, so I look forward to seeing you at Idea Week, hopefully, and uh, 
and also getting others uh, in the community to contribute uh, their thoughts uh, as well. Thank you, John. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at Ideas Week 2. Fingers crossed. Um, I'm all booked up, so that should be a fun week. And uh, thank you, as always, for inviting me. And uh, it's always such a pleasure to, to share my, my thoughts with you. Thank you so much, Anuj. Goodbye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Idea Week podcast, brought to you exclusively by MOI Global, the membership community of intelligent investors. Learn more at moiglobal.com.